0: Good morning to you. Good, morning. Good to be here with you. Well, I am excited that so many of you came out. I was sure you'd stayed home if you'd heard I was coming. Thank you for coming. <laughs> it means you just don't know me very well. It is a blessing to be here with you this morning as your missionary. I want to thank you for your for your faithful support financially and prayerfully. Not just financially. If it was just financial, it'd be eating, but that'd be about all. But prayerfully, because the power is in prayer, amen. I want to thank you for that. As you saw in the video, that covered about 18 years in less than four minutes. Did it give you a headache? fast. You had to watch fast, didn't you? Our churches down there now support 30 missionaries at $50 a month. So you support me plus 30 more with your monies. Thank you for that. And we're just getting started good. We've been there now for 20 years, and I plan to be there for a long time more. You ever heard a rocket takes 95% of its fuel to get off the launch pad just to get up to orbit and the other 5% to get to the moon? We feel like we're finally getting to orbit <laughs> to where we can really start growing. really excited. Did you recognize anybody in that video? Did you recognize Lalo or Eduardo? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that young man is, is going great guns. I'll tell you one thing he did. He went to uh, one of the Catholic churches there close by, went to meet the priest, looked for him to present the gospel to him. <laughs> As he looked for him, he talked to one man he thought was the priest, and he says, no, I'm sorry you missed him. He's, he's gone. And he left just to come to find out that was the priest. <laughs> so he talked to one of his workers there at the church. He starts talking to him. The guy gets under conviction. Lilo's starting to reach him. And he says, you know, I know this and stuff. He said, that guy that just left, he was the priest. I don't know what the problem is. I, I'd really like to, to, to follow what you're teaching. Lilo has an influence. He's now in the prisons down there teaching, winning people to Christ left and right, making great influence in the schools. Uh, they're teaching uh, to be atheist in the high schools there, and he waits for them outside the school. That is uh, Sophie's future husband. They'll be getting married here in just a few months. Thank you again. My wife dumped me yesterday. She thought that three grandchildren was more important than her husband. That's okay. Pray for (laughs) Maybe next time. We've been here for 10 weeks. This is our first furlough in 13 years. and We've been out for 10 weeks on this one. We've been in 24 churches, driven almost 11,000 miles. We'll go back home next Thursday. Um, looking forward to getting back home because when I got off that plane i 've got four more grandchildren waiting to visit so we're excited about that this morning i'm going to ask you to just tune in for just the next 45 moment, 45 minutes just a few moments just ask God to speak to you and see if there 's anything he'd like to teach you this morning I mean you know we get together what for an hour here and an hour there throughout the week you'll have 24 hours and Seven days in a week. And we have such a small amount of time. And we're going to dedicate this to the Lord. And we don't want to be worrying about what we're going to be doing this evening. Or about work Monday. And and all these other things or problems. We just want to stop and say, Lord, please help me to concentrate. And let me see what you have for me this morning. Speak to me. Let me be selfish this morning. Speak to me. Speak to me. Personally. And don't let me go home without being changed. Let's pray and ask God to do that, shall we? Father, I thank you again for this opportunity that we have to be together, and to hear from you. Father, help us, I pray, to stay focused on what is you want to show us this morning. I know through your Holy Spirit you're going to be touching each and every one of us in a way that's different through this message. Thank you for that. Thank you for making it personal. Father, speak through me. Use me as your instrument. Use my mouth, my mind. Don't allow me to say anything that you've not directed, but everything that you want said. As I serve you, you don't serve me, Father. I'm an instrument to be used for your honor and your glory. Don't allow me to be timid or to hold back, but to speak as if you were hear yourself. Use me as only you can do. In Jesus' name, we pray and give you the honor and glory for it. Amen. Okay, saying that, let's get right into it. Well, I'm a missionary. That means I must start in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. How many of you can almost quote those verses by memory? You've heard them so many times. Does missionaries know any other verse? They always want to go to the Great Commission, don't they? Well, that's what makes everything possible. And you know what makes everything possible in Matthew 28, 19, 20? Verse 18. So let's look at it. We just need to take the words individually. and Let's just see exactly what it means. And I'm not going to camp on Matthew 28 for a long time. But I am going to show you something that I think God has little my heart to share with you that's so important for us to see. Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. Now, we all know that our Bible was not written originally in chapters and verses. That was added later for our ability to study the Bible and go to different portions, and so when the Lord is speaking, He's got a full thought going here in verses 18, 19, and 20. He says something in 18, which makes 19 and 20 actually possible, and without 18, 19 and 20 is not possible. I want us to look at this. Now look how He starts out His conversation. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, 100%. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power. I have all power, he says. I have all power in heaven, and I have all power on earth. I am all powerful. He said it's given unto him. Who gave it to him? God the Father. I have all power in heaven and in earth. Don't worry about Satan. Don't worry about the world, don't worry about the demons. I have all power. And because of that, he carries on in 19 and says, Go ye therefore. to kind of like say, then listen to me. Go ye therefore. You can do this, because all things are possible in Christ Jesus, who strengthens me through Christ Jesus. So we know our powers in Christ, and he says, I have all power in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore. And do this. Teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. We know that starts with evangelism, because until someone gets saved, the Holy Spirit's not inside them to guide them and direct them through Scripture and give them understanding. You don't make a disciple out of someone that's not saved first. And after they're saved, the first step of obedience is baptism. baptism. So you've got evangelism, baptism, and then make disciples. But he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Which nations? All. All of them. All of them. There's more than 2,000 different languages spoken in this world. He says, go and teach all nations, every one of them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now look at 20. What are we going to teach them? What are we going to teach them this discipleship? He says, teaching them to observe 92.3% of the things whatsoever I have kindly suggested unto you. Wrong version, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Teach them to observe what? All. all. Is that 100%? He yes. said, everything I've taught you, this three and a half years with you. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. Commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world, I'm with you. And He's with us today through His Holy Spirit. God is with us, Christ is with us. Holy Spirit is in us. His Spirit dwells inside of us. If you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're a new creature. You think different, you feel different, you love different. Your goals are different. The Holy Spirit has so many jobs. He seals us, he directs us, opens our understanding of Scripture, brings back to memory scripture, brings conviction in our life when we sin. Gives us the how to love. I mean, you know, once I get saved, all of a sudden I start loving people I don't even know their names. I am walking in and say, hey, I love you guys. And they look at you and say, you're crazy. You don't even know who I am. Don't have to. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're my family. I feel comfortable with you. Hopefully you're comfortable with somebody from Alabama. People say, well, where are you from? I say, Alabama. I say, "Well, where is that? I say, you know, Forrest Gump, my next door neighbor, Bubba on the other side. <laughs> but he's telling us here. All power is given to me in heaven and in earth, so go ye therefore. Do the job, church. It's our job today. We're going to look today at what is a disciple, what does the Bible call a disciple, what does the Lord expect out of us, and are we doing our job? And if we're not, we've got some corrections to make. Would you agree? Amen. Are we ready to make some corrections if there's some that need to be made? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you just said a mouthful if you said yes. Woo! That's good. Mark sixteen fifteen. Because I'll tell you, what the Lord expects out of us is radical. Mark 16, 15 and 16. Right here he says it again, but why am I going to Mark? Because he says something different than, go ye therefore. I've heard people say, hey, go and make disciples, you know, uh, I don't believe you ought to evangelize. Uh, you know, I believe uh, you're either going to go or you're not going to go, and, you know, this Lord's got it all figured out. And I said, well, just wait a minute. Verse 15 said, and he said unto them, and this is how Mark puts it go ye into all the world. Sounds the same so far. And preach the gospel to every creature. To preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. One way. God doesn't have a plan B and a C. He doesn't need one. Plan A works for everybody. You don't have to be at a certain intelligent level to be saved. You just have to be obedient and receive a free gift. God did it all. He sent His Son Jesus Christ, He died on the cross for us. All we have to do is receive the gift. The gift is for everyone. It don't have to be your gift. It's a gift. Until you reach out there and receive Christ as Lord and Savior yourself, it's not your gift. It's a gift. But you can make it your gift because it is for everyone. If you receive the gift, then it becomes your gift. It's at the door and He knocks. He loves everyone. He doesn't will for anyone to die and go to hell, but for all to be saved. That's why He says go to all nations. He didn't say, go to these, but leave those others alone. Don't touch those. He loves everyone. He's merciful, long-suffering. And he gives us a chance in this body. And we as a church have a job to do today. And that is to evangelize, make disciples, and we're to baptize. That's our job. Now, if we're not careful, we can lose that focus, and we'll start doing everything else in the church besides those three things. You know, I just heard statistics the other day. By It just just blew me away. I found out the other day. They said the statistics that was taken here in this last couple of years amongst all believers like ourselves, we call ourselves believers in Jesus Christ, uh, born-again believers, in the church, only 5%. You remember this, Paul? 5% of the church today, only 5% have presented the gospel to someone just one time in their whole life. Less than 2% are involved in any kind of evangelical program that exists. Does it sound like the church today is doing the job? Yeah. No, and it's called us to evangelize, but that's one of the hardest places to get people to go. And we'll use all kinds of reasons. It's too hot outside, or I've got things to do, or I, I'm not good at speaking, or I don't want to sweat, <laughs> or I don't want to freeze. Uh, a ball game's on, can't miss that. It's my day off. Uh, it's not my gift. But it is a commandment. It is a commandment. Boy. To make disciples, pouring life into life. I, I don't have to teach anything that I don't know, but I do teach what I do know, and the more I learn, the more I can teach. So I can do that. But fewer and fewer are making disciples. I went to a church. I once someone to Christ back in Alabama, and I went to their church. They were going to baptize them. It had been so long since they had baptized anyone in that church. That they literally had to go and move the furniture and everything off the platform and uncover the baptistry and get it ready because it's been well over a year that that church had ever baptized anyone. We're not baptizing anymore. We're not evangelizing anymore. And we're not making disciples anymore. But man, we've got good on criticizing the leadership. Man, that must be a gift. That and sarcasm because I see more of that than anywhere. Would you agree? We can come in, and if you don't have my donuts just right in my coffee, Just right, and bless God, if I don't have somebody to drive me from my car to the front door, I ain't going in. You've lost your focus. Well, I'm going to go in and check out this church and see what they got for me. Instead of going to the church and seeing where I can get involved and serve or where there's lacking and needing help to go in and help, I want to go be served. If your bathrooms aren't clean enough, I ain't coming back. Instead of volunteering to help clean the bathrooms because they're not clean. Focus is m- messed up. Why are we here? If I'm already saved and Jesus Christ has already saved me and and, and I already got a home in heaven, then why am I still here in this body? And a lot of Christians do this. They say, you know, I know that I'm saved and I received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and I know He's got a plan for me someday and when He comes back, He's going to show me what wrong. You missed it again. He's got a plan for you now. to, To evangelize, baptize, and make disciples. The angels have a job and we have a job. Let me share something with you. When we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, what happened immediately? Who came inside of us immediately? Who came in? Holy Spirit. And He came in and He sealed us. We're now adopted sons of God, aren't we? That's what the Bible calls us. We're adopted sons of God. We're also soldiers and we're servants. That means we're already in the family, aren't we? I'm in the family. I'm already a son of God. I'm, I'm, I'm plugged in. And I am sealed until Jesus comes back to get me. You know what else I've got? I've got a manual here. I got a manual. You know, when you buy a car, you get a manual, and you go inside, and you find out what kind of oil to use and how many cores to use and what grade to use and how often to change it, and if you don't, your motor goes kapoof, and then you wish you had a. Well, we got a manual, and we don't read it at the end, and when the Lord says, I'm going to come back, and and you're going to have to give an answer, and sometimes we're going to go poof because we didn't read the manual. He's given us a manual. We learn how to use our accessories in that manual, but if we put that manual to the side, we're just going to bump right along and not know what happened when the car goes kapoof. We have a manual. We have a job. The angels have a job. We have a job. We have a job because God is so merciful. Our job is to go out and share the gospel to others. How many of you can raise your hand and say, I, I am so sad and so depressed that someone come to my home and presented the gospel, and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm just disgusted. Anybody? Anybody can say, I wish they hadn't come to my house and presented the gospel. I really wish I hadn't got saved that day. What a bad day that was. Anybody Anybody not thankful for their salvation? Now let me ask you this. How many of you here this morning that received Christ as Lord and Savior so thrilled that someone took the time and went past their comfort zone to share Jesus Christ with you and it changed your life, and you're glad they did? Raise your hands. Amen. Amen. Now, don't you think there's other people out there waiting for us to do the same thing? Yes, Instead of closing the doors and say, this is our congregation, don't touch it. <laughs> well, there's people out there dying and going to hell. That's their problem, not mine. Leave me alone. <laughs> All right, then. The Lord says we're to be disciples. Let's look at it. Matthew 16, 24. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean? Let's see what it means. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me. If any man, any of you, will come after me, let him deny his emotions, his feelings, his desires, his goals. Take up his cross. Nail those things that cross and follow me. Make me number one, he says, in your life, not you yourself. See, when we serve ourselves, this is how we get up in the morning. We get in the morning. It's kinda like this. Good morning, Larry. How you doing, Larry? Good to see you this morning, Larry. What do you want to eat this morning, Larry? You want oatmeal, Larry, or do you want eggs? Either one you want, Larry, because you are the man. What do you wearing this morning, Larry? You want to wear a suit you want to wear a tie? You want? Hey, do you want to be late to work or do you want to not be able to work at all today, Larry? That's okay. I'm your flesh. Listen to me, Larry. You don't have to go. You're better than everybody else. Just call in sick, Larry. What do you want to do? You want to stay home or you want to go? All about Larry. The big number one. That's serving self. Where do you want to go to school? Where do you want to go to work? Where do you want to live? Where do you want to serve? Are you making your own plans, or is God leading you? Or do we wake up and say, thank you, Lord, for another day? Lord, I, I pray you'll use me today. And, Lord, if you want to change my, Lord, if you want to change my, Lord, if you want to change my agenda, go ahead. It's okay. You're afraid to let the Lord change your agenda. You're afraid he's going to send somebody to your office you're going to have to share the gospel with for about an hour and get you off track for the rest of the day and can't get done, things done in time. No. Yeah. Many of us are afraid to smile or move right now because I say, that's me. Don't anybody know it's me. I will tell you, there's times I'm afraid to tell the Lord, Lord, please, you know, take my day and use it how you wish. I'm afraid he won't let me complete my agenda. I've got these little check marks I want to mark off my little Franklin planner. You know, I've got things to do. Sometimes we lose focus, don't we? He said, you want to be my disciple? He said, okay, here, here it is in the manual. We all have a manual. Matthew sixteen twenty four. He made it very clear. If any man will come after me, then let him deny himself. You've got to deny yourself. Now let's look at the same thing in Luke nine twenty three. We'll look at his perspective on it. Let's see how he says it. Luke's nine twenty three. How did he put it? He gave us some more information here. Luke nine, twenty three. And Jesus speaks again here, and he says, And he said to them all, talking to his disciples, If any man will come after me, sounds the same so far, let him deny himself, sounds the same so far, and take up his cross, sounds the same so far, daily, uh-oh, and follow me. What do we just learn? Take up your cross every day. Make Christ your focus every day. But that just might mess up my agenda. That might mess up my plans. You know, you know, I've been looking forward to going to school over here or doing that or living in this country or having this job and and, and my job is to to climb that corporate ladder. And and if I don't dedicate more time to my job and less to my family, I can't do that. In other words, we're married to our job and not our family. We won't go there this morning, okay, I'll stop before you start throwing rocks at me. We're to take up our cross daily. And let Jesus Christ guide us. As a Christian, we have a job to do, and our mm-hmm. job is very simple, and it's three things. And if we are not careful, we'll, get, we'll start doing everything else in the church and not do the three things we've been commanded to do. It's, it's fairly simple if we're just willing to do it. But when we don't want to do it, we start making up excuses to why not. Because people, I find, do what they want to do. If they want to do it, they'll give you reasons why they ought to do it. If they don't want to do it, all the reasons why not, and hope that everyone understands. Did you know that the Lord said in his word that he said when we die and we get to heaven, he says every one of us have to give an account to the Lord for what we did while here. That's about the works. About the commandments. The commandments we have given him. Every one of us have to give the Lord an account for what we did on this earth. In other words, we have a job to do. Or we don't have to give an account for something if we don't have a responsibility. But as a church, we have a responsibility. And one of them here is to deny yourself and put Christ number one. We have to deny ourselves. We're all going to give an account. We read in the Bible, there's five crowns going to be given out for the works we do. But this is temporary. The Lord also says in the Word, a thousand years is a day, and a day is a thousand years. Well, if one day of 24 hours is the same as a thousand years to the Lord, that means two hours is about 80 years long. So our life is about two hours in the Lord's eyes. And it's just the beginning because after this, we'll rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. And then after that, we'll be with Him forever in eternity. See, we're already in the family, but we have a job to do now. But we're here to do that job. That's why we're still here in this flesh. Amen, we're now already in the family. We've already got a manual. We've already got a job to do. And there's crowns to be given for the works that we do and obedience. We have to give an account. And we're only lacking one thing. Did you know there's only one thing you don't have yet? That's your celestial body. You'll get that at the rapture. That's still to come. Why? Because you have a work to do in this physical body. That's why you don't have the celestial body yet, because we already have a job to do in the terrestrial body to speak to others, to share the gospel. That is the focus of the church. Would you agree? That's some cool stuff, isn't it? Amen. Now, Luke 14 27. Luke 14 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, what does it say? He cannot be my disciple. If you desire to be his disciples, then we're going to have to deny himself. And if we don't deny ourselves, and you don't bear your desires on the cross and come after him, you can't be his disciple. That's pretty radical, isn't it? Lord, that's pretty radical. You mean I have to deny myself every day Put my feelings and emotions and desires on that cross every day. And if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and fall after me. But he he also says right there that I can't be his disciple. Wow. So I have to deny myself. Look Look at John 21, 15, 16, 17. John 21, 15, 16, and 17. So when they had denied Jesus, oh no, I'm sorry, so when they had dined, I'm sorry, I didn't say deny, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Peter, was one that always bragged about how he loved Jesus more than the other disciples. Now, you know, remember Peter, when, when it went to the cross, you know, the other disciples ran earlier, but then he, he went onto the cross to see Christ as he gets to the point of being sacrificed on the cross and being whipped. You know, three times he was asked, do you know Jesus? And he denied him. No, I don't know. Remember he denied him three times? Remember where he was at? He was sitting around a coals of fire warming his hands with a group of people. He denied him. Well, here, Jesus went to the shore, called him off. He went back to fishing what he did before. He calls him back in. He comes in, and Jesus had built the fire and the coals and was fixing fish and bread on it. And then he asked the three questions, and right here it is. And he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Because Peter always bragged how he loved him more than the others. He said to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. In other words, if you love me, then be a doer. Feed my lambs. He didn't say, do you love me? Well, show a little more emotion there, Peter. Come on, man. Give me a smile. He said, then feed my lambs. That's a work, isn't it? Now look in 16. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said to him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said to him, feed my sheep. Same answer. Let's get to work, Peter. Then he said to him the third time, Peter denied Christ three times and heard that cock crow. And right here when Jesus asked him the third time the same question, brought him right back to the coals of fires where he denied him, right back to the group of people where he denied him, and he asked him three times, just like three times he denied, three times, do you love me? And old Peter remembered that. And he says right here, and he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, lovest thou me? He knew what he was doing. And he said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Same answer. Love is a commitment, not just emotion. There's emotions in love, but it's a commitment. Love is being committed. If you love me, obey my commandments. John fourteen, fifteen. John fourteen fifteen. He says right here in John 14, 15, if you love me. Keep my commandments. Look at 21. And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Look at 23. And Jesus, Jesus answered and said unto him, If any man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come into him and make our abode with him. John 15, 10. John fifteen ten. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. It's an action. It's a work. A work of obedience to the commandments of the Lord. If you love me, then you will obey my commandments. And if you don't obey my commandments, you don't love me. You say you do, but you're lying. Because if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Remember he said you will know them by their fruit. You'll know them by their actions, their works, what they do. If they love me, you'll know that they love me. If they're a Christian, you ought to be able to tell right. by their lifestyle. Right. You know, it, it's, it's a, really, it's a shame but when we go to work and we tell somebody that we're a Christian and we've been working there five years, and they go, really? I didn't know that. Right. Right. Because you talk like they do, you walk like they do, you talk about the things they talk about, you tell them a Christian, well, there's no change in your life. You're not going to see any fruit there. You don't, you don't see any change. You're not bearing fruit. You're not winning folks to Christ. Let's look at 14, verse 14. Ye are my friends if, it's conditional, you're my friends if you do whatever I command you. Pretty cool, isn't it? There's the big if. Again, is this the Bible speaking or am I making this up? It's the Bible. 1 John 5, 3. 1 John 5, 3. We're going to go through this fairly quick because I'm not in Mexico. I do not have an hour and 20 minutes. 1 John 5 3. What is a disciple? For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. Pretty cool, isn't it? So we have learned now to be a disciple. We have to deny ourselves daily. Every day, we have to deny ourselves daily. And hang our desires and emotions on the cross and say, Jesus, what do you want of me? Because I'm your servant, you're not mine. We're not here playing the game of Monopoly to buy houses and hotels. I like to use that. you know, Because if we're only here like two hours in God's eyes to be about eight years old, many times we get all caught up in the game. We pull this box called Monopoly down out of the closet, and we'll sit down and bite out the monies, and we see how quick we can make the other go bankrupt, you know, and, and buy all the houses and all the hotels and all the lands. And when we're done playing that game in about two hours, we put all the pieces back in the box and put it back on the shelf. That's exactly how this life is. We come in here naked, we're going to go out naked. And at the end, whatever we have, either goes to our kids or the government, and they'll say, thank you. And then the Lord says, now let's talk face-to-face. Did you see what I told you to do? Yeah, what, about, what about the crowns? Did you put your treasures in heaven or are your treasures on earth? Because they're not going to last. I believe we're going to rule and reign in Christ, he said he put the governments together and he put ranks together. He put some over thousands and hundreds and tens. Does that mean we're going to have ranks when it comes to reigning and ruling with him in the millennial? Does that have anything to do with what I do today to where I'm going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years? Just a question. Just asking. Look at Luke fourteen twenty-eight. See, I think it's very important that we get to work. I think that we can waste time and not realize I think it's a trick of the devil to have us do everything in the world in the church except for evangelize, baptize, and make disciples. Everything we do ought to be focusing in, doing those very things. Would you agree? Luke 14, 28. Look at this. You want want to be a disciple? Well, then count the cost. If you want to be a disciple, then you've got to take up your cross daily. If you love me, then you're going to keep my commandments. To be my disciple, you have to obey my commandments. You've got to count the cost. Luke 14, 28 through 35. Now that you're there, I'll get there too. 14, 28 through 35. Now look at this parable. I love the way Jesus says this. For which of you, intending to build a a tower, setteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? In other words, you're not going to plan to build unless you make sure you have the funds to finish what you're going to build. So you can finish what you start. 29. Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. <laughs> we practice that daily in Mexico. 31. Or what king going to make war? So he brings in another subject. He said, well, let's talk about this one. Number two. Or what king, going to war against another king, setteth not down first, before going out there, and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 that he has to meet him that comes against him with the 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth ambassadors and desireth conditions of peace, so they don't have to go to war. He'd give them two examples, and he stops, and he says, okay. So, likewise. That means now, let's stop and let's talk. Whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he has. He can't be my disciple. Is that not radical? I have to die to my desires every day? I have to follow his commandments every day? He says, count the cost. What it's going to cost you to be a disciple? Before you step up, count the cost. It's going to cost you. If you serve me, you will have tribulation and persecution in this world. We're going to hate you, and a lot of your family is not going to have anything to do with you anymore because you're living for Christ. And they to say you're radical and you don't have a balance in your life. And and what are you doing, walking off from your job and leaving everything you got? I was criticized that way from my my father-in-law, and to this day, he said to my son the other day, he's he's a firefighter and EMT, and he told, him, well, I'm glad you got your head on straight out of all of them. Wait till he hears what he's going to hear in two weeks from now. Guess he lost his head too. <laughs> I love it. Too bad I can't be a fly on the wall to see that. I would love it. Count the cost. John 14, 15. 21, 23. Obey my commandments. I'm going to go back there and we're going to hit these again. John 15, 10, and 14. John 15. I'm going to go with 15. John 15, 10. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. 14. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. John, 1 John 5, 3, and we read that. Obey my commandments. Now look at Matthew 10, 37 and 38. Matthew 10, This is good stuff, isn't it? I mean, I don't really like all of it, but uh, it's good stuff. It's going to cost me something to be a disciple, but it's good stuff. I mean, at least I've got direction if I want to follow. I certainly can't say I don't have an excuse. I say, well, I never read that in the Bible, so i got an excuse. Well, you got the Bible, so there's no excuse. You should read it. Matthew 10, 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me and won't go to the mission field or obey me because of that is not worthy of me. And he that loves his son and daughters and won't go to the mission field or leave them to go do what I've called you to do more than me is not worthy of me. That's tough. If you love your job and your profession and your money and your desires and your plan in life more than doing what I've called you to do, you can't be my disciple. It's one or the other. He's radical. He so, said, Wow, I don't sound like a democracy. It sounds more like a dictatorship. Yep. Now we're getting it. Now we're getting there. He said, I made you. And then you sin, and then I've saved you, I've made you, then I've bought you. We don't have no rights. We don't have no rights. Look at at 38. And he that taketh not his cross, we've already talked about that, and follows after me, he's not worthy of me. Wow, Lord. You know, if, if you're saying, I'm sitting here in church, I've been saved for 15, 20 years, and, I mean, I'm coming to church, I'm faithful. If you're not a doer of the word, you're not worthy of me. That's tough. Look at Luke 14, 26. This is to be a disciple, Luke 14, 26. I'm feeling the pressure. Yeah, I got to get with it, Larry. Speed it up, buddy. We we'll want to do like down in Mexico. Andale, andale, arriba, arriba, We want we'll to get up like old Speedy Gonzalez. I'm getting a little too slow right now, right? I never knew what that meant as a kid. I used to watch Speedy Gonzalez. You ever watch that? And they'd say, arriba, arriba, andale, andale. And he said, what in the world is he saying? You know what he's saying? Get up, get up, let's go, let's go, get up, let's go. Church, arriva, andale. Luke 14, 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters, yea, his own life also, and his agenda, he can't be my disciple. Wow. That's pretty extreme, Lord, when I get down there and I teach the folks in our church and You know, I'm down there in a heavy Catholic country. I can't tell you the times that folks made a decision to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, go home just find their clothes packed in a suitcase on the front porch. You get baptized, don't come back to this family. You're dead to me. And that's why folks don't get baptized real quick down there. It might be six months, two or three years, six years. Because once they get baptized, they're giving it all up. Count the cost. We don't have to pay that price here, do we? We tell somebody to get saved around here, they go, Hey, man, that's great, that's wonderful. Go down there and say, well, I'm a Christian, I got saved. Oh, okay. Hey, what's up, John? That's what you get down there. You, you would actually think I'm a Muslim down there sometimes. What are you doing down here, gringo? Oh, I'm a missionary. Oh, oh. <whistles> not talk about it. Look at Matthew 2. I'm sorry, James 2 17 18. Sometimes we get confused about this one and we think, oh wow, you know, I don't know. Is the Bible teaching there's a work salvation? Do I, do I? No, I don't believe in, in a work salvation. I don't believe it, but I believe if you're saved, you'll work. And that's what James is saying here. James 2 17 and 18. He's just simply saying this in James 2 17 and 18. Even so, faith, if it has not works, it's dead. Been along. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. I will show thee my faith by my works. My works of obedience to the commandments that the Lord has given me to do. I don't take it as a suggestion or a kindly thought. He says, If you don't, You can't be my disciple, and you're not worthy of me if I'm not number one. And if you don't die to yourself and put me number one on your agenda instead of your own agenda, you're serving self. You're not serving me. Don't act like you do. You can't have it both ways. You can't serve the world and me and be my disciple, and you're not worthy of me. I died for you. I made you to be a part of the family. I made you to love me and me to love you and have a relationship, not for you to go and say, it's my life. Leave me alone. That is not why I made you. I made you to be a, bro- a brother with one another. I made you to be part of the family. I've made you to have a relationship, a love relationship. Not for you to say it's my life. It is your life, but you don't have any rights. You was made for the purpose of loving and having a relationship with the Father. How many of you as parents would love to have a relationship with your kids, and they come in the morning, you sit down, you fix them breakfast. Hey, son, I'm so glad to see you this morning. How did your day go last, or how did it go last night? I hope you enjoyed the breakfast that I made for you. I love you. You know that, don't you? Where's car keys? Out the door he goes. Hey, you going to be back this evening? Can we sit down and talk just a little bit? I just kind of want to know how things are going in school. You know, I love you. So I want to have a relationship with son. you, son. Don't come home after school. You don't come home that evening. About 1 o'clock in the morning, you hear the door open and close, and he goes to his bedroom and closes the door. Just to repeat the, next, the same thing the next morning. Well, thank you for the home. Thank you for salvation, but I don't need a Lord or a relationship. Does this hurt? You want me to stop now? No. Well, good, because i still got another 10 minutes. <laughs> Look at James 1, 22. Well, what's nice is in 10 more minutes, it'll be over. <laughs> you go, I'm glad it's over. Uh, James 22. James, I'm sorry, James chapter 1, 22 through 25. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. What does he say about being a hearer only? Deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and he's not a doer, and he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, that continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deeds. How many of us can say that we've been saved for many years and I don't feel like God's anywhere to be around? I don't feel like I'm blessed in my life. Where is he? I'd have to ask you, well, where is he? Where is he in your life? Because he says here, those that are doers of my word will be blessed. And if we're not blessed, maybe the problem's with us. I don't think God's lost. I think he knows right where he's at. I mean, I hear we get lost sometimes. So I'm trying to find myself. I want to say, look in the mirror right there. It's I'm trying to find myself. The Lord says, find yourself in my word. Find yourself with me. I love you. God does not want to be a dictator to beat us up and hurt, hit us over the head. He, he wants us to have a loving relationship with him. He wants to bless us. But he says, I'm not going to bless a disobedient child. Do, do, you, do you bless your children when they're disobedient? When you tell them to do something, they yell at you, no! He says, oh, bless your little heart, you sweetie pie. Is that what you do? There you go. Bedroom. Do we discipline our children disobedient, or do we bless them? And they say, oh, sweetie, don't do that. And they go, oh, bless your heart. <laughs> but we expect God to do that. Don't talk to me. I'll talk to you. When I need something, I'll call you, God. <laughs> but, I, but your word says you're going to bless me now. Now, I'm going to proclaim the word here. And the word says now... you. I expect my blessings. True, we got to be careful. We're provoking Him. It's good stuff, isn't it? Be doers of the word, not hearers only. So, to be a disciple of the Lord, what does is, what is God's word say about, about being a disciple? Well, first, you have to take up your cross every day. You have to deny yourself. You have to love me more than yourself and the rest of the things of the world. You've got to count the cost, know where you're going, understand what I expect out of you. I want 100%. I don't want just a little bit of you. Uh, like that little boy said to his daddy when he was out there in the park one day, I was watching him, his little boy come up, and uh, he, I guess he saw this on TV, and he comes to his daddy and says, Daddy, he's probably about two, three years old. Says, daddy, you want a piece of me? You want a piece of me, Daddy? And his daddy opened his arms up at him like he says, I want all of you. And he comes running to his daddy and jumping in his arms, and he just giggling, laughing, his dad rolling. He would back up, and he just out in the park, you know, it was over in Iowa. And he backs up in the park again, and he goes to his daddy, and he's giggling, and he finally gets his composure, and he says, want a piece of me? He kept repeating it, because he knew what came after. His dad, every time look at him opens opened his eyes and says, I want all of you. Sound familiar? Great. Count the cost. No, I want all of you. I want 100% of you. Count the cost. If you don't hate your mother and your father and your job and your career more than me, you can't be my disciple. You're not worthy to be my disciple. True. And if you love me, then you will obey my commandments. Love is obedience and following his commandments. Not whatever work I want to create for him, but the works he has created for me to do. And my work is to evangelize, baptize, and make disciples. And if I'm doing everything besides that, I've missed the mark. And I'm wasting time. And I might be playing Monopoly. And it's not too late to put that baby back in the box. Would you agree? First Timothy 3, 1 through 13. Now, what is that? Who can tell me what 1 Timothy 3 is going to talk about? Anybody know? You went talking Anybody? Anybody remember that one? That's the qualifications to be a leader. That's right. Bus driver. No, what is it? Leader? Leader? Bishop? Bishop, Deacon? Can can, can I get us to just look at some words real quick, and we're going to finish with this. This is where we finish, okay? Oh, yes, this is where we'll finish. Time is running out. Hey, I'm still on time. I'm doing good, brother. I'm not going to lose my support, right? Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. You know, sometimes I go 5 over. they say, you want to keep your support, you better be done on time. Uh, you think I'm kidding? I've been told that more than once, buddy. I've been told when we're done, they're going to get up and walk out, and you can close up if you don't finish up. I, but I have been told, if you, don't, if you want your support, you'll be done all time. But a fear of a missionary. 1 <laughs> Timothy 3, 1 through 13. This is a true saying. If a man desires the office of, of a bishop, he desires a good work. If you're sitting here this morning and you desire the office of a pastor or leadership missionary, the Lord says you desire a good work. He says, "Oh, it's a bad work." Ooh. He says, "A good work you desire. That's a good thing. It's not bad of you desiring that." Well, if I messed up, you know, could that be the devil just trying to get me off course? The devil ain't gonna call you to ministry. Never has. God's not gonna call you to ministry. I mean, God's not, God will. Devil won't. If you desire it in your heart, the office of a bishop, he said, you desire a good thing. But now look at verse 2. A bishop then must be, there's the key. He didn't say, a bishop then must become, future. He said, it must be right now, present. He said, this is the lifestyle because everyone has been called to this lifestyle. And if you desire the office of a bishop, a pastor, leadership, then this is what you must be right now. Not, I'll put you in that position, that's great, and we're going to start training, and in two or three years you'll be there. No, right now. He said, you're not qualified if you're not here right now. A bishop then must be, if that's the desire you have, The great. Let me show you what you must be right now. Blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, out to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy filthy lucre, uh, money, but patient, not a brawler, not covetousness. One, look at four, one that ruleth well his own house. That's present tense. One's already got his house in order, biblically. The way God explains it in His Word, to have the house in order. Have your finances in order. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. In other words, they're following God's plan. The man is the the head of the house. And I know when you get a carnal Christian man the head of the house, it's chaos. Because he wants the wife to serve him and his fleshly desires instead of him following God's Word and teaching her God's Word. And then the children, it's much easier for a woman to follow an obedient man to God's Word than to be, show respect or have respect or to follow a husband that's supposed to be head of the house when he's carnal. Much easier to have respect for a man that's respectable. But God did not ever ask man to just be, do his own thing. He says, you follow me. We're under Christ. The woman is under the man, but that man is following Christ and loving that woman. will give his life for that woman and teach her God's Word. Now, there's not a woman that I know of that would have a hard time following a man. that's her husband that has that attitude and desire and love and following God's Word. And the children obey the mom and the dad. Now, you have your family in order. You have your children in subjection with all gravity. You're teaching them the Word. That's, our, that's what the Bible commands us to do in our homes. You want to be a deacon? You can start verse 8 and read practically the same thing as you go on down through 13. Pastors, same thing. Then you must be, have this in order, because everyone in the church has been called to do it, but those that aren't, no. Remember in Acts over there when they had problems with, with, the, uh, with the ladies they needed to feed the, uh, help me here, I'm losing the English word here, uh, you with us. Uh, somebody speaks Spanish also? You with us. The uh, widows, the widows needed help. They said, go find me seven men that's already got Good report amongst you, because we're not going to leave the Word to do that. Go find you seven men of good report and full of themselves. No, I'm sorry, full of the Holy Spirit. Those are the men, ones that already are, already practicing, that have good report amongst you. Go find seven men that are doing it. Not say, oh, I can do that. Uh, Give me three or four weeks. I'll, I'll get started. No, but look at five. It's in parentheses. For if a man knows not how to rule his own house, How shall he take care of the church of God? If you're not living it, then how can you teach the people? Because in the church, you're teaching them how to live a godly life and and how to obey God's word in the family. How can you go teach somebody something to do that you're not doing yourself? And they say, well, I I do that. Well, that's great. Oh, I started yesterday, but I do it now. Look at verse 6. Not a novice. Not started yesterday. Months ago. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he falls into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report already. It's pre- all present intent of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. Likewise, must the deacon be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. It starts going pretty much saying the same kind of stuff. Look at 11. Even so must their wives be grave, and not slanderous, sober, faithful, and all things. See, you got to have your house in order. Now, the Lord says everybody in the church ought to have their house in order. Every one of you ought to give your life to the Lord every day, afresh. Every one of us ought to have a devotion Is the number one thing we complete today, not washing the dishes or cutting the grass. It's our walk with the Lord. We can't lose our focus. He says, if you don't make me number one, you can't be my disciple. He said, this is where it's got to be. This is where it's got to be. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Amen. That's pretty good. Let me ask you then. You know, we're not going to read these scriptures because you know them very well, but Matthew six twenty four, James 4, 4, 1 John two fifteen all says, you can't serve God in the world at the same time. It's one or the other. Count the cost. Make a choice. But when you go to 1 Timothy 3, we say, these are a qualification to be a pastor. He said, no, that's a qualification for every believer, and if you're not doing it, don't consider it. Well, would you agree with me that the Lord is radical? Amen. Would you agree with me that he's extreme? Would you agree with me that that's okay? Because He's our Creator. Because when you read over in John, we were created, and God the Father says there was nothing that was created without Jesus Christ being present. In the beginning, God created. Chapter 1, verse 26. God made them in our image. The image of God the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Plural. Nothing made. He didn't make. Is He worthy of being our Lord? And we must make him our Lord. Because one day the Bible says we will all give an account and are we ready to see the Lord if you died tonight? No, that's, a, that's a question for you. So well, I'm in church. Yeah, but are you ready to see the Lord to give an account for how you spent your life? And if you're not today is the day to change. You can't change the past. Oh, but I did this and I did that and the Lord is forgiving. Well, the Lord, yeah, but pastor, you don't know what I did. Hey, the Lord forgave Paul and he is on his way to kill more Christians. Right. What did you do worse than that? <laughs> Then when he repented, he uses him to write over half the New Testament. David sinned with Bathsheba, and it cost the life of that little baby. He repented, went back had the same relationship with her again, had another baby, and it was Solomon, which became the king that was the the wisest and most richest king ever before. Is that not total forgiveness? So yes, you can. Don't matter about your past. Don't use your past. I didn't, and I couldn't, and I didn't, and I made bad decisions. We all made bad decisions, but you can change today and tomorrow. So today's the day to make that decision. Now, where are we really? What do we really want to do? Count the cost. Now, some of us are saying, I'm not going to do that. And you've offended me. Well, I'm not the one with the problem. Uh, amen? Now, I hope to live to get out of here. <laughs> and if there's some bodyguards around here, I'd really appreciate it. I mean, you notice I used a little wisdom, and I didn't walk in here and say, roll tide. You notice that? <laughs> now, that was dumb, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I had to say that. I got lightened up a little bit. All of you look like you're about ready to grieve and die over here. <laughs> Decision making time. And to do that, I want us to stop for just a minute. And let's look and see where we are. Where are we? We're going to pray now. And we're going to make personal decisions between us and the Lord. Not between you and me and the Lord, between you and the Lord. And we're going to pray now. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. Father.